Hear the word of the Lord. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do for you, to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. It's good to see you all. Uh, for any of our regular attenders, I shaved my head earlier in the week, so there'll be a wake out at the welcome table, thoughts and prayers, if you want to lay hands on, anoint with, I don't know, do we have hair regrowth oil yet? Just embracing losses and limitations, guys, that's what we're doing, uh, so just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, my name's Jonah, I'm one of the pastors, welcome, we're excited, this is a, a really exciting Sunday for me and our church in general. First is Baptism Sunday, y'all know what that's about? Huh? Ellery Coffey. She's, she was born as a member of this church. Well, I don't know, technically, whatever. Kevin here, I'm going to interest him in a second. He's going to blow up all kinds of church policies in the sermon, so get ready. She's been here from her first breath, and it's a joy to watch you come and make this announcement. So we're excited for that. Uh, and then second, Kevin Galloway is here. And so Kevin is a dear friend of our church. He's been a friend for a long time in the life of our church. He's part of Sojourn Network. And if you haven't heard us talking about that or if you're visiting, Sojourn Network is a, a church planning network that we're uh, partnered with. And it's kind of got two wings to it. One is we start new churches. And the other wing is we try to care for and support existing churches. And in, in that second bucket, the caring for supporting existing churches, Kevin has been a, just a gift to my life. Um, and so I'm going to tell a couple of things I love about Kevin Galloway real quick. One, he's pure, purebred Hoosier through and through. <laughs> See? So you know you can trust him, okay? Lifelong Hoosier. Uh, second, he was part of, if you didn't, maybe, I don't know why you would know this, uh, he was part of the Indiana State Police for about 12 years as a detective, and he was telling me the stuff he did uh, a couple nights ago we were hanging out, and in essence what we concluded is he's like the real life John Wick. Um, not, in that he, not in that he actually like brutally murdered people, um, but that his hand-to-hand -hand combat skills, he was the guy that was going around training people how to fight. So if you did something you shouldn't have done last night, be cool, man, because he'll sniff it out and then he can whoop you if need be. Um, that was mostly a joke, I think, right? Uh, so, <laughs> See? You saw it. You saw it. Uh, so then, uh, in a, a little bit more of a, a serious note, um, around church planting stuff and network stuff, if, when you get pastors together, being a pastor is a very strange job. When, like, it's, it takes a bit of a maniac to stand on a stage and say, this is what God wants you to know. Like, that's a little bit of a strange thing. And then you get those guys in a room together, and there, there can be the sense of sizing one another up. How many people go to your church? Uh, well, what do you guys do for this? And how do you do that? And there's this kind of like, where do we stand thing? And, and when I'm with Kevin, um, he's, he's never asking me about the cool and interesting things we do as a church or what could we do better. He asks me questions like, do you still love Jesus? Um, how is your soul doing? And that's been an amazing gift to me. He cares more about my soul than our productivity or efficiency. And um, he said hard things to me and encouraging things to me. And he's been, in a lot of ways, just a mentor to me for, 
I don't know, four or five years now, something like that. And so thank God for your influence in my life. And then um, for the under 40 crowd in the church, one of the things I mostly love about Kevin is he's been in ministry for 20 some years now. Leading church has been through all kinds of messes. Um, he's been through all kinds of joys and um, he still has a tender heart. Uh, he still displays genuine affection for Jesus. There's no bitterness or anger in him. And I look at that and it's such a ray of hope like it can happen. You, you, can, you can run for a long time and face trials and suffering and still have a tender heart towards the Lord. So we thank God for you, Kevin. Um, he's going to do a fantastic job. I cried my way through most of the first service, so enjoy. Uh, here we go. Uh, help me welcome Kevin Galloway, everybody. Yeah, as Jonah said, I am Kevin and I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> so awkward to stand there and somebody's doing that. I, I, I'm 50, I'm, I feel old, older, and I'm, I'm a mess. Um, but Jesus loves me. I love him. I am bitter and angry. Um, I get that way. Um, and so do you. But Jesus still loves us. That's my, my role here today is to remind you that. Um, I really have a fondness for this part of the state. A lot of you wouldn't, I live in northwest Indiana, so a lot of you wouldn't consider us Hoosiers. We're part of the region that's Chicago. Uh, but my wife's from Bedford. She's in here's room someplace. And my daughter lives in Bloomington. And uh, we've spent a lot of time here. We raised our kids in southern Indiana in a town called Mitchell. Anybody heard of Mitchell? Yeah, you're like, guys, I've learned that, yeah, anyway, I can say all kinds of jokes about Mitchell, but it's really a soft place in our heart. It's where our people are at. And uh, I was a trooper. I was, I was in a part of a drug interdiction unit when I worked down here. So are there any troopers in here? Is it you guys? Y'all need to start evangelizing the state police, I think. But our office was up there at exit nine, and my sergeant lived in New Albany. And so I'm driving around these last few days. A lot of, a lot of memories come. Uh, have I arrested anybody in this room? <laughs> Really, it's been 20 years, so you're probably just getting out. Uh, welcome. I don't say that lightly. There's a lot of redemption in that. Like, I've met people that I have, and, and it's good, and I've been able to apologize. I was a jerk at times, and so I'm always a little cautious about that and sensitive to that, but it's, it's good. It's good to be, I feel like a sense of home here in southern Indiana in the Louisville area. So anyway, thanks for having me. Let's get cheesy, as we do in church. Who, who loves Jesus? Who loves God in this room? Okay, you're a little better than the nine o'clock. So about eight, nine of us love him. And any charismatic folks in the room, you got to carry the rest of the Baptist Presbyterians in the room. Who loves God? Hope you're feeling the tension because I'm trying to make this un uncomfortable for you. Look at the person next to you and say, I love God. See, it seems like no kidding, Kevin. This is what we had you come up here for. Like we're in church. We, we woke up. We came here. Let, let me ask you another question. Who believes God loves you? Yeah. Let me ask that again. Who believes that God loves you? Yeah. And then let me put piggyback with this. Sat under the teaching of a guy named Brennan Manning for a while back. And before he passed, this is something that always just pierce my soul. Do you believe that God likes you? He has to love us because God is love, but does he like me? So, so my whole hope today, I think my, 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 my role here is to hopefully say some things and point to the scriptures that when you leave here, you believe that. 
you believe a little bit more deeply. And maybe for someone in this room who has not experienced that, that you get a glimpse of that and the Holy Spirit does something for you today. I want to encourage you. I want to remind you that God loves you. The whole sermon, what I've been given, was, is from Matthew 7. It was read for us. And, and it's called Whole Power. And I, I didn't like that title it was given to me because I'm like, I don't know what that means in this text, but I do now after spending in time and sitting with it. The power of God for us is found in the embrace of a dad, in the embrace of a father. And that's what I want to bring us back to today. You've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. I know it's been powerful. Jonah wrote this piece. I want to read it to you to remind you in hopes that the virtuous, truly human person relates to God as he would to a good father. That's why I asked the question. You believe God loves you? Because we have wounds. We have issues. We've, we've been hurt. We've been beat up. We've been wounded. So love gets to be weird for us sometimes. And we don't love others the way that, that the Bible speaks of at times. So we have this kind of distorted view of love. But the second part of that is wholehearted Christians, truly human people understanding who they are and who God is will treat others the way them, themselves want to be treated. Wholehearted Christianity comes down to the belief, I believe, that God loves me. And, and it's displayed, yes, in the cross of Christ. This is what the Bible says. This is how we know what love is. But Christian, you've got to get past the thought that God had to do that and believe that he wants to do that. He loves you. And I know some of you are feeling pretty unloved today. He loves you. You've learned in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus trying to teach us how to live as wholehearted disciples in, in the way of the kingdom. He's, he's taught us some hard stuff. You've looked at these things. Jesus forbids anger and lust. Anybody struggle with that? You don't have to raise your hand. Just me. Jesus tells us to freely give to all those who ask. And that's the one right there that just, I walk through the streets of Chicago and I, I'm asked about every 10 steps, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And I, I struggle with this. He tells us not to worry. I worry about the whole thing about people asking me for money and not giving it to them. He forgives boasting. He forbids boasting. For me to tell you, well, I give to most people is boasting even in that. Like, we struggle. He tells us to do good works, let our light shine. He tells us what to think about money and the treasures of this world. He tells us to not be anxious about life and those physical things and needs. He, he teaches us how to live with our neighbors and, and, and give and receive in a life-giving, life-receiving way. And if all of that is not enough, in Matthew 5, 48, he tells us to be perfect as, his heaven, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. That's some stress. And it's impossible to accomplish Seems pretty hopeless, but let me tell you one of the most hope-filled, hope-filled passages of Scripture is our text today. Jesus invites us to seek God for help and provision for all those needs and, and to do so with confidence and certainty based on the relationship you have with God, based on his love for you. So please, before I go any further, don't receive this today as I'm giving you a formula on how to, to live as a wholehearted Christian by saying, I believe God loves me. That's not my whole idea. We got that down. 
but I want you to experience and hold on to and refuse to believe nothing else. But God loves you. And that's how we live in a wholehearted relationship. Um, who's, who's a member that I don't know? Who can I pick on in the room real quick? You, in the green, stand up. See, I told you I was gonna pick on you. I love you. Cool. Now, you believe that because I have to, but I don't know you. And I, I believe you love me in that sense, but you don't know me. You can sit down. Thanks for letting me embarrass you. Let me embarrass my daughter who's going to freak out. She's in this room. She's right there. She don't have to stand up because she's mad. <laughs> Lindsay, I love you. Do you believe that? Right? She should. Same words, but completely different understandings. We've got to get past, I know God loves me because I've been told that and I understand that theologically to he's my dad, he's my father, and he loves me. In this passage that we've heard, I want to read it again. Hear, hear the love and hear the tone of a father. Verse 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Three things he tells us to be persistent in in this little passage here. Ask, seek, and knock. If you're into the whole acronym thing, it says ask. Ask, seek, knock. I didn't figure that out till I had wrote it in my notes. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Ask, ask, seek, knock. And it's a persistent call for us, but it's also a persistent grace for us. You guys have been real hospitable here. Hey, what do you need when I came in? You want coffee? You want something for breakfast? All that stuff. Here's what I need is a bottle of water. Like, I'm not going to drink from it, but that's like my security blanket. And Jonah gave me a bottle of water when we first started. It came out of the refrigerator. And if anybody who's done this much, like, you, you know, like, that tastes good. It's, but I'm OCD enough to go, I don't want my hands being wet with the sweat. And I don't want the cold on my, but I drank it. I was sat it there. But then when he, when he left for the second one, I grabbed somebody. Hey, I need a bottle of water, warm water. And I grab the lady out there. If she's in the room, she's been serving all morning, just making sure coffee's filled and, and, and doing stuff. She's awesome. So I figured she's got a tag on. She looks like a person that knows what's going on. Can you get me one of those bottles that's not been in the fridge? She goes, yeah, I'll, I'll try. And then one of the pastors came by and I, I know who he is. So I was like, hey, dude, you know what the, he goes, I'll go look. And they're gone and they come back and it's like, no, that we put them all in the fridge. And he goes, I can drive to the gas station. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not that bougie. Like I, I just want, wanted something like that. But then all of a sudden, Kristen shows up in the back and she's got two bottles of, of room temperature water. Why do I tell you that? Because I asked for it and it wasn't available. So I went and sought it out. And, and I actually was knocking on the door of the office, like, where is this water at? And I didn't get it in the due time, but all of a sudden it showed up. I, I asked for it, I sought it so, so when you ask, it means you go ask for something. And, and, and let, me, let me put this in perspective for you. I like coffee. So Jonah's sitting back there. I asked him in the first gathering, 
Jonah, I really like coffee. Your coffee's really good. As a matter of fact, it's freshly brewed and freshly roasted. It says that you painted it on the wall out there. And, and I smelled it when I came in. And I saw the cups and I believe there's a fountain filled with coffee that flows from the silver carafes. And it comes from the earth and there's an organic presence to, to the community that comes from sharing the coffee. I love coffee. Oh, would I love to have some coffee. I really would like to have some coffee right now. Oh, for some coffee. I think that sounds really stupid. If you want some coffee, what do I do? Ask. Hey, Jonah, go get me a cup of coffee. Would you please give me a cup of coffee? Jonah, I would like some of your coffee. But in, in the things of God, we say a lot about God. Oh, would I like to be delivered from this? Oh, would I like to overcome this sin in my life? Oh, I have this need. And we tell people about it. And we journal about it. And we sing about it. But we never, never at times go to the Lord and say, God, give me this. Save my son. Save my daughter. Help me with this sin. Forgive me, God. Seek. God's not a leprechaun hiding in a bush, popping out to say, surprise. But, but theologically, you hear that like, well, you never know what the Lord's going to do next. Like he's like, surprise with this or surprise with that. He goes, seek me. And the encouraging thing is, you'll find me. You want the things of God? Go look for the things of God. You, you, you want to you know his presence? Go sit in his presence. Quit talking about it and go sit in it. And it's not a list of to-dos, it's an invitation. Come and ask me, I have it. Come, come and seek these things, you, you'll find it. Knock, and the door will be open. My grandma had this picture in her house. It hung right next to Jesus' senior picture. You know the one I'm talking about where he's... And it's, it's the, the, Jesus is at the door, and he's got his hand on the inside of the doorknob. You know what I'm talking about? See, you knock on things... You knock on a door because what you want to be on the other side. You want access to whatever is on the other side. And so we look there and it's like Jesus is saying, oh, if they'd only knock, I'll maybe let them in. Or if they didn't knock hard enough, I'm going to sit there for a minute and go, who is it? Right? A lot of you approach Jesus that way. A lot of you approach prayer that way. A lot of you approach the things of the kingdom in that way. But Jesus says, ask, and the door's going to be open. Knock, it's going to be open. Seek, it's going to be open. It's a relationship. It's an invitation to a presence. Be with him, know him, love him, and receive his love. Here's what gives me hope. Jesus says, everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks, it breaks down all the barriers that we have, all, all the bad conceptions of people, all the prejudice. It knocks it all away. Everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks, you get it, what you need. Everyone. But, but see beyond all that and just come right in here for a second. That's you. What are you struggling with? What are you doubting with? What are you, what are you ashamed of? What are you hiding from? The Lord says, ask me for forgiveness. Seek my peace. Knock and come into my presence. But let me say this. It's not about how eloquent we ask. 
Sometimes we get caught up in that, right? It's not about how good of a searcher you are, right? Like, I, I'm going to really look for this, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking for him, looking for him, looking for him. It's not about how hard you can knock on the door. But it's about the good father who invites you to ask. It's, it's the good father who asks you to seek. It's a, it's a good father who tells you to knock. In verses 9 through 11, Jesus puts the emphasis on the father who hears more than the child who needs and asks. Parents, which one of you here, when you roll out of here in the minivan, kids ask, I'm going to date myself for some Cheerios and a Go-Gurt, right? Like, I don't know if that stuff exists, but that was how we rocked it. Hey, yeah, no, I don't have that, but I have a field mouse and a garter steak. Here you go. I found this rock in the driveway. Gnaw on that for a minute. It sounds absurd, doesn't it? But those are the words Jesus tells us. You're not going to do that. You're going to give them what they want, what they need. You're also not giving them a hot fudge sundae, right? You're going to give them what is good for them. But you may give them a hot fudge sundae to celebrate and to show affection and love. All I'm saying is, if we know how to do that, think how much God loves us even more. But even more than that capacity, think of what he has. All I got is Gogurt. He has everything in creation and everything in the heavenlies. He has himself and he freely gives it. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe God loves you? Let me share an example of what I believe Jesus teaches on in, in, in this passage and, and what will help us maybe grab onto this. It's found in Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. It'll be on the screen. It says in verse 11, to illustrate the point better, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a different land, a distant land, excuse me. And, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. Even here, I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Hear this. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. That's a picture of what Jesus is teaching us. What I believe is the most encouraging part of this whole sermon. Ask, seek, and knock, and you, it's yours. 
It's yours. Let's talk about the son real quick. There's two sons here that we know about, the, 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 the son who stays home and the son who takes off. I'm not going to really talk about that guy too much. I'm going to talk about this guy, the young son. He asks for the share of his estate. So it really goes to the dad and says, I want my inheritance. And that, and that day, and as it is now, you get your inheritance when your parents die. But in this time, he's saying, I want that now. What he's really saying is what is also a slap in the face. I'm not going to wait the rest of my life with you, and I'm not going to wait the rest of your life with me. I'm ending the relationship. I want what is mine now. So the dad does it and gives him, gives him money, gives him inheritance. And the second part of the slap in the face is this. He goes to a distant land or a far country. See, family stayed together. They worked together. They were in the same house together. These weren't like deadbeat sons just playing video games in the basement, hanging out. They, they were there with their dad. This is what you did in that culture. And this boy moves far away from his father, removed from that fellowship, that, that proximity. Remember, there's no texting, there's no FaceTime, there's no telephone. It's just distance between two souls. He goes off and we hear those two points, we check, check. And then here's where we usually hear a lot of preaching from, is he takes that wealth and he blows it. He buys hookers and I'm sure he was doing drugs and drinking and doing all the bad things. I'm sure he danced and played some cards and, and, you know, all that stuff. And he wasted all that inheritance. And so he does what he's good at. He's going to go persuade somebody. He's got that gift. He persuaded his dad to give him his inheritance. And now he's going to go persuade a farmer to hire him. Now remember, the story tells us there was a famine in the land. The economy's horrible. There's no jobs. So he persuades this farmer to hire him to send him out into the field. So he does, and he's out there taking care of pigs. I'm a Hoosier. I've slopped hogs. I have, me. If anybody knows what that is, it's, it's disgusting. I'd go with my grandpa. We'd go out to this store. I don't even know what it was or why it existed except to sell rotten bread. And this bread was like, not like day old, it was disgusting. It was in the wrappers, but it was completely moldy. It was just nasty. So we would take that bread and throw it in the back of the truck, lots of it, and we'd go back out to the barn. And, and the, the hogs are running around out there, and there, we had these 55-gallon drums my grandfather probably stole. And then he cut them in half, and those were the troughs. And we had another rusty 55-gallon drum that I would, my job was to take the bread open up the nasty moldy things and dump it in there and then take the hose and fill that thing up with water and I had a stick and I stirred it up. That's called slop. So next time you say, don't feed me this slop, that's what you're actually saying you're getting is nasty rotten garbage with water mixed in it, but the hogs loved it. This dude is so hungry and so down on his luck that he's like, I want some of that. They were eating pods, but I'm trying to make the story. I don't know what a pod is, but I know what that is. And it's nasty. But he couldn't even get that. So he's going to do a next persuasion. I'm good with a gift of gab. I'm going to go back home. The guys who work for my dad make a good wage. They get fed. I'll be a servant. So he comes up with these words. I will go home, verse 18, verse 19. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I think Jesus is telling something very important here. So elders, if I'm going out of bounds, just preach next week and fix all I'm about to say. 
But in our desire to control and our desire to make sure we're right, and there's, there's, there's good things. We want to be theologically correct. So I get all that. Please, I'm sure they wouldn't have asked me to do that. They thought I was going to come in with some heresy. But let, let me say this. He was right in what he said here. I've sinned against you. Sinned against heaven and you. So that's, that's true. And he's talking about worthy. Like there's a separation. I, I've screwed up. I'm not worthy to be called your son. So hire me as a servant. I think we teach people to say that when that's not the call. That's not what's important. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled thousands of people and they heard the word preached and they're like, what do we do? Peter goes, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. This promise is for you, your kids, and all who are far off. Somebody's going to be baptized here in a little bit. That promise was for her, for her family. Some of you all need to be baptized. That promise is for you and your family. But here's what we do. And here's what our church does. I don't know if you all do this, but someone wants to be baptized, you must fill out a baptism intent form. And then we interview them and we question them. And you got the saying down. Can you articulate this? Can you do this? And that's good. We want to make sure people know. But man, on the day of Pentecost, there were no baptism interviews. There were no forms. There was no internet. And there was nobody checking boxes. There were just people saying, I think God loves me and I love him. And the Holy Spirit did a work in their life and they moved forward. You see, I think in, in Christianity, we often jump on this idea of the, the, the horrible thing about that story is he took his inheritance and he squandered it. That's not the part of the story that's tragic. The part of the story that's tragic is the son broke relationship with the father and said, I don't want to be with you and I'm going to move far away. So easy to say, man, I can't believe the dude bought hookers and went and danced and played cards because I don't buy hookers and I don't play cards and I, I can't dance, so I don't do that. So it's easy for me not to do those things. But I have an invitation to spend with my father. I, I, I ignore him from times. I use him for my own good, and I don't enjoy his presence, if I'm honest with you. And that's when I run away. Anybody else? That's the tragic part of this. And it's more than us just saying, I'm going to say these things. The beautiful thing is this, is his decision to go back. But he doesn't even understand what he's going back to, and that's okay, because he's about to. You see, he takes off, and he's He's going towards the house, armed with a rehearsed speech to persuade his father to help him out. Now, here's what's in his head. Here's what would be in my head. He's, he's seeing the house as he's walking, right? I'm going to knock on the door, and Big Brother's going to open the door. You know they got a, they got a deal going on, right? It just didn't happen. There's got to be some funk in their relationship. The older brother, if you know what I'm talking about, go read the rest of that passage. You'll, you'll hear him. Yeah, you know, Bobby's going to open the door, and he's going to go, oh, you're back? What, you blow all the money? Oh, you went and bought hookers. Oh, you went and got drunk. I know you got... Let me see if dad's here. Dad, Billy's back. Here comes dad. <clears throat> oh, I just see you decided to come home. You've come to your senses. Where have you been? Do you have something to tell me, son? Yes, father, I've sinned against you. Sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please 
hire me. I just need some food. <clears throat> Let me think about this. What do you think, son? That's what's in his head. And that's what's in a lot of your heads. Some of you have wandered from God or some of you are hiding from him. Some of you are afraid of him. Some of you love him deeply, but you still find yourself in this crazy tug of war with, with belief and, and unbelief, which we, we all struggle with. But he loves you. And that's not who he is. Here's who he is. The text says that the father saw the son coming toward the house. And I, I have to tell you, here's, here's how I see that. The dad was looking for him. You see that? Like he had to be looking down the road, hoping his son would return. And as the son's coming up the road, rehearsing his speech, waiting for the big brother to open the door, dad comes out of the house and runs to him. This dad is not a normal dad in that culture. He wouldn't, most, most fathers, it's undignified to give your sons their inheritance for your dad. It, it's, it's undignified to run like this, but he does. And he runs down the lane. Lots of emotions here. You got to see the picture, but I'm going to pause. Here is what the lost son was doing. He had decided to go ask. He's going to ask for a place back in his father's presence. He was going to go look for a job. He was going to look for help. He's seeking the help of his father. And he's about ready to knock on the door of the house so that he could find help from his dad. And here is what he found. A father blows open the door and sprinting down the hill at him and he finds him and the text tells us he, he embraces him and, and, and the words would say that he's, he's putting his weight on him and he's hugging him and he's loving him and he's kissing him and, and, and he does this, hey, get, get a robe and bring it out here because he kind of stinks. He's been hanging out with pigs. Bring a robe out here. Put some shoes on this kid's feet. It's, it's my son's back. Hey, get, get one of the rings. Put a ring on him which just shows this is part of my family. My son's back and he's kissing him and he's kissing him and he's kissing him. Could you imagine what that son's feeling? His dad's on him. He's feeling tears. He's getting kissed on. He's hearing people yelling and stuff's going on. He's like, get that calf that we've been getting ready for the party. Like, we're going to use it now. There's going to be a party tonight. And, and, and the kid's like, oh, kiss, 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 kiss. And, and he's trying to say this, Father, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I, I, and then it says, I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's when the dad starts talking. He doesn't even let him get to the hired hand thing. He's not even listening. He's kissing him and he's loving him and he's declaring these things. My son who was dead is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. Let's party. And the text ends, and so the party began. This is what it looks like to ask, to seek, and to knock in the kingdom of heaven. It's not, it's not else. I know we want to be reverent. I know, and I'm not being careless, but just go ask, just go seek, just go knock. And here's what Jesus says. Everyone who does so will find what they need. And here is what we need. The embrace of a father in the midst of our brokenness. Hmm. That's what I want. I miss my dad. Sorry, I'm getting on machine. I didn't expect to do that. My dad passed away a few years ago, four years ago. And, and he was long gone before that. He had Alzheimer's and I was his guardian. Got to a point, I was the only one he knew and then, then he didn't even know me. So it was a, they call it the long goodbye, right? There was a lot of that. 
But I missed my dad when I was younger, and my dad wore Old Spice. Anybody remember Old Spice? I'm not talking the plastic junk that comes out now. I'm talking about the ceramic thing with the plastic top. Pop it out. I don't know why we do that. And I'd be watching my dad, and he'd go, pat it on me, and oh, it smelled like my father. I got something to carry me through the day. Even now, I don't wear Old Spice, but I put all kinds of accoutrement in my hair, and I have flowing beard oils and all this stuff that makes me an idiot to buy. But nonetheless, <laughs> my wife laughed at me one day. She's like, why do you do that? And I put the stuff in my hand, and I go like this. That's what I learned from my father. I miss my dad. My dad would pick me up, and he'd fly me around the house like an airplane. I remember him doing that with my kids. And, and then he would hug me and kiss me and go to work. And I would smell like Old Spice, smell like home. It was really awkward to go to school as a 16-year-old smelling like Old Spice after my dad flew me around. No, was... <laughs> but I know, it's been years, but I know what that embrace is like. And I was little. Oh, guys, do you remember the embrace of God? And you don't have to go, like, do a bunch of stuff. But all you have to do is ask, seek, and you're going to find. And you don't have to knock. You're not even going to get to the door. Jesus isn't back there going, in the senior picture moment, that thing. That's the wrong picture. The picture should be the door's blown open and dust because the dad's taken off running down the hill to find you. I don't know why I say hill. I just picture him on a hill and the kid's down there. I, I don't know, but let me have my fantasies. But the, re, the father responded so much differently than any other father in culture would have because our father responds differently as well. The son was broken, the father wasn't. And the father embraced the son's brokenness. And let me say something to you. I told you I was a mess when I first started. I don't want to be a mess. We, we've made mess and brokenness sexy in Christendom. Now, I get the, the part like have a broken and contrite heart. Yes, that kind of brokenness. But I'm talking about being unhealthy. I want to be whole, right? I'm really good at the broken part. And so a lot of times we, we get this, this celebration of the brokenness. Now follow me. I'm down with part of that, but, but it's not the brokenness that's beautiful. Henri Nouwen says this in, in light of the, the prodigal son. In the context of a compassionate embrace, he's talking about that hug from the dad, our brokenness may appear beautiful, may appear beautiful, right? That, that moment for the kid to come back may seem beautiful, and yes, that's all good, but remember, here's where the beauty's found. Our brokenness, Sanre says, has no other beauty but the beauty that comes from the compassion that surrounds it. That's where it's made beautiful is the hug of the Father, is the embrace of God. So your brokenness today, the beauty comes when it's enveloped in his grace and his love for you. You don't need to stay in that place. There's wholeness to be found in the embrace of your Father. So that's why Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Do you wonder? Do you wonder how that beautiful embrace translated in the rest of his life. I'm going to point you to Matthew 7, 12. 
I don't like that, that the guys gave me this part of the text, to be honest with you. I was like, because I felt like, well, why are we going to the golden rule now when we've been an ass, seek, and knock, but it all goes together. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. Rich Plass, I know you've probably met him, seen him. He's a friend of Sojourn, friend of the network, friend of ours. I get to spend this week with him. I'm looking forward to that. But years ago, he grabbed me and said, Kevin, you're getting older. And you have a lot to offer people. You can be a big brother to some and a father to even some of these young pastors. Remind them of God's love for them. And I, I just felt like, yeah, that, that's, I, I see that in the eyes of younger people. I see that in the eyes of older people. I see it in the eyes of the 50-year-old that looks at me back in the mirror. We need to be reminded of that. And I want to tell you that same thing today. People around you need to be reminded of that as you remind yourself. It's a beautiful part of passing the peace. Yes, it talks about the reconciliation we have with each other because of the reconciliation we have with God. Do to others how you want to be treated. This is what the whole law and the prophets, everything they spoke hangs on that. To the culture there, all that they've been taught as kids, all that they've been memorizing, all that comes to them from, from, from their, their infancy on, everything hangs on this. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? Love God with all you got and love others as you love yourself. The golden rule summarizes this invitation into a wholehearted life. And the wholehearted person embraces this relationship, hear me, and wants the relationship with the other. I wish I had time to talk about the other son and the prodigal son, the lost son story. But I can't imagine that kid who knows the embrace of the dad is going to push others away from that embrace, but longing to bring others to it. New Albany is a broken city. Your house can be a broken house. Your families can be broken families. We all need the wholeness that comes from a relationship with God alone. So my hope and prayer for you is that you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, but you long for that for this city. And to embrace the city in their brokenness and connect them and tell them of the story of the Son, the story of God's extravagant grace, of God's love. And may the beauty of the city be found, as Andre said again in this quote, in the context of a compassionate embrace. Our brokenness may appear beautiful, but hear me. The brokenness of us, the city, has no other beauty but the beauty that comes from the compassion that surrounds it. May the brokenness find its wholeness. I'm really out of time. I'd love to talk more. My hope is this, that you would leave here today. You get in your car, take a deep breath, yell at the kids to shut up. In the midst of the chaos of all that, you're reminded that you are loved. And look at the person sitting next to you and you treat them in that same way. And you walk step by step, asking for grace for that next step, 
seeking the Lord in that next step and knocking on the door when it feels like it's closed and being reminded that a father's going to come busting out. He's going to love you, hug you, and kiss you. Let the party begin and enjoy it. Enjoy it while you have the days. Let me pray for us and we'll move on in the liturgy.